Hey there, Internet! My name is Jack Packard. I'm up in the woods. I'm down on my mind. I'm building a still to slow down the time. Here for The Escapist! I'm Nick Calandra, the editor-in-chief of The Escapist, who doesn't go around picking people's locks. It's important to have a hobby, Nick. <laughs> my hobby is being a me mediocre white man comedian. <laughs> <laughs> okay, did you spend last week coming up with a Yo Mama joke? Come on, no, come I on. I said that and then I forgot about it and I never thought about it again. Size, age is a good one, so dumb, you know. They're, they've all been yeah. used before. There's no original ones to use anymore. That's that's all right. It's, you know, we can spitball a few. No. This week on The Escapist Show, uh, Nick is going to talk about a game with so much story, and I'm going to talk about a game with so many systems. Then, over in the topics, we are going to discuss the value of games. We have so many gaming services now, I have in fact argued that games are devalued because of them, and some developers agree with me, though I might not agree with them. <laughs> I'm a complicated man. <laughs> so hello and welcome! This is The Escapist Show! So Nick, I'm gonna go first. Last week, I played a game called Monster Train. This was a game that was recommended to me very enthusiastically by a lot of people, specifically someone who was very intoxicated uh, and insisted that if I didn't like it, they would refund, they would refund me the money because they knew I would like it so much. Is it the developer themselves? It is not the developer <laughs> oh, themselves. That would be funny. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I was on a podcast and someone got very, very drunk and afterwards they were they were <laughs> insisting that I was going to very much love this game to the point where I was like, you might need to settle down, friend. But uh, the Monster Train, it is a, a deck building roguelike or roguelite. So, you know, right up my alley. But it also has some tower defense systems in it. It's very strange and... What the theme is, is you play as demons battling the angels of heaven. And it's like, oh, that's pretty fun. Yeah, play as demons, giving it to heaven. So it is a game with a ton of systems. You place down cards that are your warriors. You place down cards that can hurt your enemies. You place down cards that can heal you. There's a lot of, there's a lot of different systems within the game. You can have shields, you can heal, you can have allies, you can do things to enemies. And it's a little bit of a tower defense because you're on a train. And after the enemies get done with one round of you, they go up to the second story and then the third story. But then if they get up to the fourth story, that attacks the core of your train, the last fragment of hell that you're trying to protect. And so it's like a little tower defensey too. And all of the enemies have synergies and all of your guys have synergies and you can get really lost in all of these symptoms in a good way because like you start doing the math of where to put all your guys and who to put with where and what upgrades to use. Oh, now that I got that upgrade, I can do this. And uh, it can lead to some really fun battles and some really good like collecting mind mapping sort of gameplay. Hmm. That's my positives. You know what I don't understand about you? What's that? 
you can't remember the title of the game you played last week half the time, but you can remember all these systems in a, <laughs> a week later. Right? Right? What the fuck? Brains are weird, man. It's all the all the stuff up here. I don't understand it. I don't know what's going on, but that's hopefully that's what that is, Nick, is that's good game design. That's yep. like that's a game kind of letting you naturally figure it out. That's where we can start getting into some of my problems with Monster Train, mm. is there are so many systems. Uh, and at some times you can have like nine to 12 combatants on all of the levels of your train, each with their own synergies, spells, enemies, uh, the, the armor classes, the, the things that you need to do here and there. And it can get cluttered and confusing very, very quickly. Hmm. Sounds like D&D a little bit. Uh, right. It's... It, it, there's a lot. They're like Basically, yeah. yeah, there's a lot that you need to know. And they do a good job of parsing out all of that information. But, yeah, it's it's a lot. It's a lot overall. And sometimes it's just not that fun. <laughs> uh, they do something they do something to cut down on time, which is before you play your cards. Basically, they're going to tell you if you're going to lose or if the enemy is going to lose based off of what's currently happening in the 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 car right if there's right. like a little x by the enemy you know that they're gonna lose if there's an x by you you know you're gonna lose and so then like that helps you play certain cards that can tip the balance and sometimes when you were gonna lose but then you play the right cards and you tip the balance and then you win oh it feels really good but it's another system that you need to watch for and it's very it's clutter it's very messy the visual design is very messy mm -hmm. i'm also not a huge fan of the art style in general it's, it's just not my thing very very cluttered very messy uh, but I, I think like I played it for a few hours and overall had a had a pretty good time. I don't know if I'm gonna go back to it. So you're gonna make your drunk friend refund it for you? <laughs> they don't they don't have to because it's on Game Pass. Oh so I was I was able to play it and not feel too bad about not ever playing it again. That might lead us into devaluing games later. <laughs> Except now <laughs> they come to ask you about if you like the game or not. <laughs> because like I kind of liked the game. Like I yeah. like I liked it. I just don't I didn't love it. Like I didn't I didn't get lost in it the same way I got lost into something like Slay the Spire and I think that's because Slay the Spire is very simple. Like it's just one character versus uh, your enemies and you're just working on building up the one character. As soon as you start adding all of these uh, allies and, and whatnot, it starts getting very cluttered. Mm -hmm. But overall, I had a very good, uh, I had a good time. <laughs> yeah. Like, I had a good time, I'm just not gonna play it anymore. And I don't regret the time that I did play it. So that's something, right? The, the Jack half, half seal of approval. <laughs> yeah, basically, that's <laughs> that's what we got here. It's like, yeah, it's fine. You know, this this does like, land in the like i don't love it and i don't despise it i don't hate it i do like it so it's on the good side i like it it's on the good side i'll put this as a positive as far as gaming goes just you know not not love <laughs> well then 
I have been playing Disco Elysium, mm. uh, which I'm sure you've heard about plenty over the past year or so. The, yes, the the much lauded uh, story driven detective game. Uh, I've heard nothing but good things. I myself am waiting for a Switch release before I start delving mm. into it. Yeah, so I I waited just because I I didn't really know if it would be my thing. So I'm not huge in the CRPG kind of stuff. Um, and there was also a lot of reading and everything, but now it's the final cuts out. I have it on PS5, so I can kind of sit on the couch and play it. Um, and I'm actually finding it, I like it. Uh, it's just a very, it's a very like engaged game where I have to be paying attention <laughs> all the time to everything that people are saying. Cause like, you know, it's a te- detective game. So literally, you know, somebody's telling you something, Ooh, I got this little bit of information. That's a new lead to go track this down. Ooh, I talked to that person. I got another new lead. Go down and check this down. Ooh, I solved this one. Nope. New lead. Go talk this one. I'm like, ah, <laughs> and so like I'm, I'm making the mistake of playing it when I'm done with work and all that at night. And mm. like I can only get through maybe f- like two conversations in the game, and I'm like, I'm tapped out. I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> we only got so much room up here, Nick. Yep, that's true. Uh, yeah, and some of those conversations can literally go on for 10, 15 minutes, you know, at a time, just getting through everything. You don't have to do all that, but uh-huh. like you get more, more and more information that helps you track sure. down other things and all that. So like. I'm I'm very engaged with it and like the the voice acting is incredible for the final cut by the way like there is not a character that I haven't met so far that like hasn't kept me hooked on what they're saying just because the voice acting is that good. Okay. Um, and so and and the writing is really good too like it's it's deep uh but it's not like the kind of literature that you read that's like so hard to understand I'm like what is this gibberish on my page? You know, uh, there's a lot of political stuff in it, though, that like a lot of, you know, communist related stuff and, you know, that, that mm-hmm. I'm not and I'm like kind of like, I don't know all the, all the stuff they're talking about. So you actually have to do like sometimes I do have to stop and like, OK, what's this and this? Oh, OK, that's what that is. <laughs> Ooh, I like that. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I think you might actually like the game. You did. a What was that detective game you did not too long ago? You had the pinup board and you were putting all the stuff on there. Oh, fuck. Oh, I loved that game. <laughs> oh, I loved that game, Nick. Yeah. Can I remember what it's called, <laughs> Probably though? Probably not. <laughs> can, can Omar remember what Omar, it's called? Omar, and Omar remember. Can I, can I outsource my memory to Omar? <laughs> Is that a thing I can do? Yes. That, so like, yes, but, but okay, I'm with you. Yeah, there's not, there's not like <laughs> a pinup board like that. And I, so I think maybe that would be a reason why you wouldn't like it. Cause like that's, I think that's a visual element that you needed. I, I think like with Disco Elysium, I might need to actually like have a notebook and yeah. write my own notes. You, yeah, like, I mean, you could really, literally go create your own pinup board on a whiteboard for this game. Ooh, uh, because you okay. have like, you have your track, you have your chart track and all your stuff and all that all this mm-hmm. objectives you do but i'm telling you like since i've talked to so many people like my list is like a billion things long like oh. <laughs> uh, but yeah i mean it really is it's pretty much a text adventure it's actually got D check elements into it where you roll mm-hmm. dice based on your the character build you're making so mine is kind of built around logic and authority uh sure. so like i have the the authority of a cop but i also have logic to deduce the cases and all that um mm-hmm. And I think another one I just have is like uh, intelligence or something like that, where he's able to, or perception, where he's able to see things that other detectives might not see or whatever. Ooh, so okay. yeah, it's it's got 
it's got like a nice progression loop to it and it's in like in a contained area so it's not like a they call it like an open world but it's not like a massive like divinity original sin style open world it's just more like you can solve this case in pretty much any way you want kind of thing uh so it's it's working for me it's it's very different from the games that i play um but again kind of tying back and like divinity original sin and the how they modernize the CRPG a bit through that. Mm. Um, mm. Disco Elysium honestly feels like very similar to to that and like just the free flowing of things. I don't have to sit there and listen to all these exp- exposition lore dumps and all that stuff. Um, so it, it feels like it's just it's just a tight experience. Like I'm not I don't feel like I'm wasting my time with anything. Everything feels like it's tracking me to the next thing I need to do. Mm. Uh, so. Yeah, I, I think I'm gonna stick with it. It's probably gonna take me a year to complete it, even though it's only a 20 hour game, but <laughs> uh, I'm enjoying it. Uh, uh, you know, if, if not for any other reason, because the art in that game is just incredible. Every time you move sure. through the map, it's like walking through a painting. It's crazy how good it is, so. That's great. All right, here we are, Nick, in the topics section of the Escapist show. Uh, you brought to me uh, a little interview that happened recently, uh, talking about the value of games, the value of art, Nick. Games or art? How how do you put a value on art? Yeah. So the the larger conversation that we're talking about today is uh, Days Gone has obviously been in the news lately uh, because a report from Jason Schreier at Bloomberg came out. And basically said that Sony isn't going to do a sequel to Days Gone. Uh, didn't really give a reason why. And then there was like kind of talk about how Sony Bend was kind of jokingly referred to this Naughty Dog North because they were working on an Uncharted project at one point and they were uh, supposed to be helping out with other things and all that. Um, mm-hmm. But so in, in general, like it's just kind of a weird time for Days Gone because that report came out. Days Gone is also on PlayStation Plus now, right now, being sent out for free. Uh, It's also coming to PC soon, uh, like in in May. It'll be on PC soon. Mm -hmm. Uh, And in the the Bloomberg report, it was also noted that Days Gone was profitable, which is kind of what brought up our whole discussion last week about Sony not greenlighting projects that even even if they're profitable, if they're not doing 5, 10 million copies or whatever, uh, mm-hmm. then it doesn't seem like Sony's interested anymore. Uh, so that Days Gone is basically what prompted kind of that whole conversation, honestly. Um, sure. And so David Jaffe, who is of God of War and Twisted Metal fame, uh, he's been doing interviews on his own YouTube channel with uh, uh, the two leads, two of the leads on the game, Jeff Ross uh, and then... Uh, uh, John Garvin, who was the writer of Days Gone, uh, okay. both who whom have left have left the studio about a year ago, two years ago now, uh, and so they've been kind of talking, you know, without any PR uh, influence <laughs> about Uh-oh. Days Gone, and so uh, both both conversations were actually pretty interesting. Like Jeff Ross kind of talked about like why he left the studio and how the culture changed, and he kind of made a funny comment about like millennials being very hard to work with. <laughs> Uh, which doesn't surprise me. Uh, and then John Garvin kind of got into the... You're a millennial. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I'm your boss. I'm a millennial, technically. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Uh, so John Garvin, John Garvin in the second interview with David Joffey got a lot more into the weeds. And the thing that just blew up over this past weekend uh, was his comment about basically saying, 
if uh, if you wanted a sequel to Days Gone, then you should have bought the game at fucking full price. Is basically what he said. This whole thing blew up because of that quote. Because news news outlets started putting that in the headline. That's all he that like like that, that's all he said. And you know, people just read the headline on stories. So, anyways, sure. people made a big fucking fuss about it. So I go back and watch the interview, and really the the framing of that question was okay. There's a lot of people that love this game. Uh, and now it's on PlayStation Plus and all that. What do you what do you think about that? Mm-hmm. And so it was really like what he really meant is, uh, if you want a sequel to a game, you have to support it monetarily. He was making the distinction between engagement, which it's a first party game for Sony, so it's not like they have to pay them a big licensing fee to put it on PlayStation Plus. They own the game already, so it's just moving a checkbook around basically. Anybody playing that game on PlayStation Plus or buying it when it's on $20 sale or all that, that's not really supporting the studio to make a new game is really what his point was. So engagement isn't as valuable as money directly in Sony Sony Ben's pocket. Sure, as as far as Um, it directly relates to getting more of the thing you like. Right. As far as it directly relates to getting a sequel to Days Gone, which, like you said, when on initial release was a profitable game. It might not have been, it might not have been a tentpole, but it was pro- a profitable game, and people seem to enjoy it now that it is on PS Plus, and uh, when it's on sale, people buy yeah. it and tend to enjoy it. So there were there were a few few problems with Days Gone. One, the marketing wasn't really indicative of what the game is about about it they really mark and you've said this yourself like they marketed the game as like zombie survival on bikes Z- zombie motorcycles that's all yeah. that's literally all i know about days gone yep so i i have not touched it uh, as as a warning i haven't played days gone because it's like oh i don't really care about zombies or motorcycles so right. yeah so it was marketed as that uh when it released it was probably like the buggy by far the buggiest first party release sony had put out there uh, and so reviews kind of hammered it and a 70 for a, a big exclusive like that for Sony is pretty low on a Metacritic score. Uh, sure. So I'm sure that influenced sales. Uh, the third the third problem was like they didn't really Sony kind of sent Days Gone out to die because they didn't really give it time. They didn't really give Ben time to fix it before they just threw it $20 less on sale. And sure. so in the perception of people that are like, I expect nines and tens out of Sony all the time, which by the way is another discussion we should have later on. Uh, that's a failed project to them in their eyes. And that's how a lot of people treat it. The media treated it that way. The gamers treated it that way. And then mm-hmm. as time went on and they fixed the game and more people played it, more people were like, oh, wow, there's something actually kind of good here. Yeah. Uh, so there, there was a lot of, a lot of factors resulting in like kind of the, Demise. I'm not going to say it's a failed game because it's profitable. Uh, so that means it probably sold pretty well. Uh, and there's, it's probably sure. about to do even better on PC. Um, right. Well, and I guess like so far with with all of this information, the thing that that bothers me so far is is the the and it's like part of it's justifiable the anger from the writer who's like you know if you wanted it you needed to buy it right away when. Nick, you fully admit, like, the game was pretty dang broken right away, so it's like, al- already it's starting to contrast a little bit, and and secondly, like, us as consumers, if, if we see a game on sale and enjoy it uh, on sale, or if we see a game as part of a subscription service like PlayStation Plus, yeah. or if we see a game, you know, on Game Pass or whatever, like, that's... We are always we always want a value for the money we put in, 
And so like getting mad at people who don't want to pay full price for your game seems like the wrong choice. Yeah, well, he should have put the blame on Sony, not the consumer. Like the Sony is the one that didn't really, you know, I, I can't really say they didn't market it right because, I mean, they, they market it to who they thought would be the widest possible base of people, which is they want open right. world zombie game. That's what they want, right? You tell yeah. them it's some personal story about a guy's journey to finding hope in a dreary world. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to, to us, to the artsy fartsy people, that we we'd be like, oh yeah, that sounds better. Uh, but to the average consumer, they just want to kill zombies in a you know crazy open world. And look at our look at our big horde Wait features. A Wait a minute, Nick, you trying to hop on the arty farty train here? I'm playing Disco Elysium right now. Fuck trying off. to hop on that arty farty train? No, first of all, if you <laughs> are, welcome. It's great. It's great over here. <laughs> I played. I've, super... I've been playing arty farty games all year. I played Ar Adios. I'm playing Disco Elysium. <laughs> I played Maquette. Yeah. yeah. Just it's great over here. It's super fun. I've always like no I've, one has a good time. No one has a good time, but we love it here. Hey, you know what? Rainbow Six Siege is artsy fartsy too. There's all kinds <laughs> of. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I also like schlock. It's okay to like yeah. schlock. So anyway, yeah, his his comments were uh, directed at the wrong people, I think. And but I also think people online took it way too personal. Like, oh, you're yelling at me for not being able to afford your games. Like, no, he's not saying that. He's just making a distinction well, between. He, he said it, but a, <laughs> in the in the context of the question asked about the game being on PS Plus, the larger point is engagement doesn't equal sales. Which which, which is always true. Yeah. yeah. Which he he's also a bit outdated on too because it's like sometimes just four companies and i don't know how it works at sony let's say days gone did three million players at launch they put it on a subscription service oh look 10 million people are playing it now through playstation plus maybe a sequel gets green lighted then because they people have shown an invested interest in it and maybe right. they, and now that more people have played it a sequel even makes more sense now than it did whenever they disbanded it especially with it coming to pc now a whole new group of people are going to play it so it's possible. I think the but they can't wait that long. One of the sorry to cut you off, but like one of the big points somebody made was uh, the most important time for a sequel to get green lighted, and this is probably why John Garvin was angry, uh, is right at launch. Like if it's mm. profitable and sound like crazy at launch, green light sequel, go start sure. working on it. If it takes two years to get there. They got to work on something else. They got to put that team on something else. Right. If, if it becomes a hit later, then you have to start the sequel later, which means the sequel isn't going to come until the, the, Six the years dies later. down. <laughs> right. And then who knows if people are going to be into it then. That's, right. I, and and that's, just a, that's just how development works. What I think, like to me, the bigger conversation here is about the value that we put on games and... It, that's a really tricky thing. And like, you know, my, my initial reaction to him saying you should have bought it at launch was maybe your game wasn't worth that much. Boom, a sick burn. Guess what? We got a ton of zombie games. We don't need another one. Oh, a personal story about a guy with a zombie apocalypse background. It's uh, called The Last of Us. Fuck right off. That was uh, that was hyperbole, obviously. Yeah. That was that was very that was very hyperbolic. But the, what what the point is is not not every game 
is worth $60. Even a AAA gorgeous open world zombie shooter, not every game is worth $60 because I might not get $60 worth of enjoyment out of it. Well, that's that's me as a consumer talking. Just like yeah. my my analogy is this, just like not every movie is worth me paying $12 to see it once in a theater. Sometimes I want to wait to rent it for $5. Then it's worth it. Sometimes I want to wait and watch it as part of a subscription service because then that's when, that's when it's worth it. I, I I don't know if I agree with that argument. I feel like that's your your personal valuation of it but if you're putting a hundred million dollars into a game it's got to be sixty dollars to make that money back kind of thing so i don't know i don't know saying if it it's the game isn't worth it just because like it's a zombie game or whatever you know for the the but i spent so much money on it of course (laughs) it's worth it see this is why you get labeled a corporate apologist. It's because I understand you're taking you're taking their perspective as the other side of things. Well, Here's, I just here I just having spoken to so many developers over the year, I know yeah. a bit more about what goes on behind the scenes and business parts of it. Uh, oh sure, so but that's I'm not just really be, corporate. Listen, apologist. I could spend a hundred thousand dollars on chopping down a tree. That doesn't mean it's worth it. Yeah, right. like, I could that's spend a hundred thousand dollars on a lot of things. That doesn't mean it's worth that much money. And uh, to me, like the the I forget where I heard this saying from, but it, it always it always rings true in, in every part of my life, which is something is only worth what someone else is willing to pay for it. That's, That's true. All, all, always, always, always. And so it's like, I understand that this person is upset because he probably very much enjoyed this game. It had a shaky-ish launch, show, so it didn't get greenlit. Now people, now it's finding its audience and he'll never get to make a sequel that's fine mm. not not every not every triple a game is worth 60 dollars. not every indie game is only worth 20 dollars. there right. are some indie games that are worth more but because of our weird skewed triple a is worth more bs thing that we have we like the general consumer base puts a value on thing based on the amount of money put into it and it ain't always worth that well, much. That's that's like the weird part about game worth is like we put a value on how good a game looks. Because like <laughs> right? Hades, Hades almost got game of the year and you can buy it for what, $30? And right. I think I think more people probably would have spent sixty dollars on it. Like, why is a why is it all of a sudden an indie? Just because it's indie, it's worth less than Days Gone. Uh, exactly. Yeah. So uh, no, I understand that point. Like, yeah, just from business perspective, like you have to make your money back. You have to price it at a certain point to make it worthwhile. Of course. Um, of and course. that's why. And well, and and by the way, j- just to quickly wrap up what I was thinking, like I'm not downplaying like all of the work that goes into, you know, big AAA games. Obviously people work hard, they want to get paid for it. They want to make a profit, that's art and business and I get that. But because because your game didn't like your game was profitable and it sold well, which means you had it about priced right yep. for who was willing to pay that price. If you would have come out of the gate with it as a $40 game, what we've learned now, or a $30 game uh, when it went on sale, what we've learned now is you would have got a shit ton more players, which guess what? That That's how much your game is worth to people. Right. Well, that's yeah. It. And you know, the, the cost of games also doesn't really make sense when you know that 
like how you brought up Sony's make Sony's very making a ton of fucking money right and all that a lot of that money is going to just the top people and the shareholders yep. too so you know does it yep. you know where we have a raise of the price of $70 video games to put another billion dollars in Bobby Kotick's pockets <laughs> that sounded like a made up name <laughs> the CEO of Activision who gets $125 million bonuses or something Bobby Pockets you might as well call him that is Bob, that what his Bob, name is? Bobby Bottomless Pockets. <laughs> Bobby, oh, and you know, I might have just like, it might have cut out for a second. All I heard was, yeah, you put you put $100 million in Bobby Pockets. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty much. <laughs> Bobby Kotick of Activision, CEO. Mm-hmm. And he's in the news all the time for crazy bonuses that even his shareholders are like, nah, you don't need all this money. <laughs> right? right? But, uh, so, so, yeah, yeah go, go ahead. ahead. You go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, like, the 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 point of it is, is a, a game like Days Gone, and sure, it could be the marketing's fault, looks to be a very generic game. That's why when it came out, I was not interested. That's why when it came out, a bunch of people weren't interested. But then as soon as the price dropped a little bit, people said, I will take a risk mm-hmm. on a generic game. Oh, and I like it. And then as soon as... The price dropped more. More people were willing to take that their time investment risk because that's what's more important because we die eventually, so we got to spend our time wisely. And that's what the game is worth to them. And I... I'm a little I'm a little disgruntled at this writer and I understand like I, I very much understand where he's coming from because he's passionate about his project but you know to say like you gotta pump your money into the game right away whether you think it's whether it's good or not yeah. doesn't matter and and it's like the hindsight that's required here to be like uh, you mean I should have paid full price for a game that looked generic I knew nothing about and was buggy as hell because later on I might want a sequel to it fuck that guy <laughs> till that's a Bethesda <laughs> all their games are buggy messes that people buy out of the gate look at the sales for cyberpunk 2077 <laughs> oh sure <laughs> so I don't yeah. yeah like I think I think it had more to do with the marketing than anything because you know people online yeah will complain about buggy games but people that don't pay attention to any of this stuff are like oh cyberpunk's out going to buy it don't care how buggy it is you know if it's buggy then maybe i'll put it down and play it again later uh so right, I, I don't think i don't think bugs or anything like that had to do with it. i literally think it comes down to marketing then sony put the game on sale two months after release or something like that for mm-hmm. to 40 dollars and to people that was like oh well then it's not worth it anymore because it's not you know high tier 10 10 and out of 10 sony exclusive uh, the other the other problem, I think Days Gone got shafted a little bit too because uh, it's a better game than most people give it credit for. It's not like open world bloat the game. Uh, there's a very actually really good story behind it. A lot of the media kind of wrote it off as like because it's a biker gang that has toxic masculinity when the game is like an absolutely like challenges all of that in, in interesting ways. And it's more about brotherhood and Deacon finding his own hope in the world again. Uh, and it was a very pretty it was a really touching story for what it was uh it still sounds very generic eh, it is but if you didn't like how <laughs> if you didn't like the last of us part two i feel like you might actually like days gone because like the story's good and the characters are good and well put together it's you know it's got heart to it <laughs> the last of us well, part well, when it comes to pc we'll see well yeah well it's, i guess it's on playstation 4 i could dust off my it's PlayStation, PlayStation plus 4. it's free <laughs> well i don't have playstation plus oh well <laughs> Anyway, 
It, it's I'll find a, a, I'll find a used copy on eBay. It's a it's a better game than than most people gave it credit for, and a lot of people that didn't even play it or like talking about how much of a buggy mess it was and i didn't even have that rough experience when i played it uh, and it's it's great today uh so the, it's it's been funny to watch that game because like i i can understand like why john garvin and, and jeff ross are maybe a bit a bit testy about how the reaction is this game and all the people signing a petition to want a sequel now and like you kind of you can kind of see like, oh, well, you should have supported it with money then, right? Because now everybody wants a sequel. Nobody supported it. They all got it through subscription services instead. Mm. Uh, so just from a business creative mind point, like you want something, you have to support it and make more of it. Sort of until you remember, oh, Sony, the giant corporations behind it. They could easily green light this if people really wanted it. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. That's what, and, that's why his, his anger should be directed back yeah. at Sony, not the consumer that... <laughs> Well, no, and, and like I understand the sentiment of like you know like because that that it's also very true. It's like oh, you know if if people uh, you know uh, it's it's the same thing we it's the same thing we see for like shows that get canceled and people are like wait I loved that show you can't cancel that show and it's like well guess what you and eight other people love that show and no one else did. Yeah, uh, people should watch the show if you want more of it. And so like I, I'm not discounting the sentiment. Yeah. Um, you know, I, and you know, things get heated. We say things. The the idea of value in games, though, is something that is going through a big flux right now. Especially like I like I was just talking about with Monster Train and Game Pass, and we we are getting games easier and cheaper and part of subscription services now. And the way in which games are profitable or made or their life cycle is all going to change and yep. we need to be open to that change well i mean is, that, that change has been games. happening for years and people i, I think like people kind of we want games to be cheaper okay well then the money has to come from somewhere but then oh wait i remember that bobby's putting a billion dollars in his own pocket from it so like you know bobby pockets you got the subscription services now you got microtransactions to make up for the sales that they're not making on those games and then you got all the problems with that it's like there's no like one solution to fixing this or, or you know giving the right value to games if you're going to release a free-to-play game that money has to come from somewhere, right? <laughs> I, th I think there is a there is a, a, a right way to do this, and it's all Bobby pockets. I'll put the money in Bobby. Oh, you mean take away all that money from Bobby's pockets? Take take away that money from Bobby <laughs> pockets, and you and you're fine. And then yeah, sell your games for forty bucks, and everybody's happy. Yeah, plenty and, of plenty of money to make more games. Pay your pay me, your employees. Let me let me check. I, I guess prices. I thought you heard about that bonus you got. Hold on. I don't know who Bobby pockets is. I just like the name Bobby pockets. Uh, Bobby Pockets is my stand-in for any CEO who oh, makes right. incredible bonuses. Yeah, he got $200, $200 million bonus while the company was laying off people. Right. That's the problem, Bobby Pockets. Hmm. It's like that money could go somewhere else. <laughs> Man. Who the fuck could make $200 million dollars as a bonus on top of your massive salary already? Right. Like, You God. think you can make a couple games for that? You can make like a fucking thousand games for that. Yeah. So that's the problem right there. Bobby yep. Pockets being my stand-in for that's corporate greed. Him. He's he's Activision. I don't know what Sony execs get for bonuses, but guess what? It's I'm all probably, the same. Yeah, it's all I'm the same I'm sure bullshit. It's quite a, quite similar. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Yeah, that's right. So calling I you think, out. I think we just I think we just Bobby. solved the problem of why <laughs> games being undervalued. 
Yeah. <laughs> CEO is it. getting $200 million bonuses. We did it. Boom. <laughs> You're welcome, everybody. We could have we could have shorted this video to like one minute. Why are games yeah. undervalued? Bobby Pockets gets $200 million bonus. Bobby <laughs> <Done>. Pockets. <laughs> well, no, and of course, the way we the way we play games, the amount of gamers there are, like you said, this is this is bigger than all that. You know, like yeah. microtransactions, you know, GTA online, and the fact that it's still going uh, and bringing in so much freaking money. Uh, then we get yeah. into you know really fun like subscription service thing like like do you know what a whale is you know in, mm-hmm. in subscription services where it's like they 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 rely on very few people giving them an exorbitant amount of money to make up for all like the regular people who just give them a little bit of money. Right. It's like that's a real thing. That's a risk. Oh, it's that's, that's the whole mobile gaming industry, right? But just yeah. relying on a few small like large donors. We'll have to we'll have to bring on some indie devs to talk about this because this has been a conversation. That's why, like, I I posted my tweet about like he's not what John Garvin said isn't technically wrong. He's just misdirecting what he's yeah who he's mad at uh, because indie indie devs in general have been saying games been undervalued for years because like they launch their game at a discount now. Yeah, they, they don't even launch their games at full price anymore. Uh, and then like Steam and Epic and all these things have like deep discount sales. How often? Like we, I remember when we were growing up, like there maybe be a sale in the spring, maybe a fall sale, and that was it. Mm. You get Black Friday was the time of year you waited for that big sale. Now it's yeah. like Black Friday every Friday. <laughs> but but here's the other here's the other part of the equation that maybe maybe everyone is purposefully not looking at here, Nick, which mm. is the the very simple basic laws of supply and demand. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's so many what's, more games now. You know, you gotta you gotta lower them so, to, what's, so people buy more. What, what's the law? What's the law? Is if there's too much supply, you gotta drop those prices to bring the demand in. We're drowning in games. I'm not complaining that we're drowning in games. It's amazing. We can play whatever we want all the time, and I think that's beautiful. Yeah. But guess what? When you have a hundred thousand million different options, I don't need your zombie biker game. I don't need it at $60. When we have a hundred million thousand options, you got to bring them prices down because that's how it works. Yeah, except like I think, <laughs> I think in 20, I don't remember what year it was, a couple of years ago, like it was like the most games released ever on Steam. It was like 7,000 games in one year. Yeah. But I, I, I would yeah. bet that maybe 10, not even 10%, maybe 5% of those games it's actually sold more than a hundred copies. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Yeah. Doesn't matter. There's supply. There is so much supply. Yep. It's gonna crash at some point. This is all I'm saying. Yeah. Well. That's maybe maybe some point we'll we'll see where those two hundred million dollar bonuses go. I just you know what I want to know. I just want to know what he's spending that money on. <laughs> Because I don't even know what to do with fifty dollars half the time. Hookers. I've got his picture up. I don't know if he's doing that. Is he a good-looking man? He's he's. Eh. Oh, he's not. I mean, then then you need expensive hookers. <laughs> yeah. The money talks. He doesn't need to look good. He's got a two hundred million dollar bonus check the way around. That's <laughs> su- supply and demand, Nick. Supply and demand. <laughs> 
I don't, I don't know if a lot of people are <laughs> demanding Bobby Kotek. That's why he has to supply the cash. <laughs> Do you get what I'm saying here? Because <laughs> hookers don't care. They get money. They get money for that kind of stuff. That's Nick. What a what a. I'm talking about prostitutes. Yeah. Yeah. Are you? People, people, people who 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 receive money for sex or sexual acts, not always sex. And so it doesn't matter, like if you are an unattractive person, usually, usually speaking, then you just give them money, and then they still have sex with you because that's what a prostitute is. Okay, so Nick, I feel like a man, I feel like so like, either, so either, like either your wife is sitting outside the door and listening to this right now, like what the fuck is he talking about? <laughs> so like sex, Nick? Do I, stop, I have to explain this to you? No, is it? you're not my dad or mom. <laughs> Okay, so it's like no. When you no. feel a certain no. way. In any case, I've been Jack Packard, a semi-professional video game enjoyer here for the Escapist. And I'm Nick Calandro, the editor in chief of the Escapist, who doesn't get two hundred million dollar bonuses that we know of yet. I think I, I, I would probably have a much nicer apartment. This could all be a set. Nick, like your office here yeah, you could don't just know be like that door. I got, I got like gold plated countertops, <laughs> right? There. Like you could, this could just be like, like the, the servants quarters in your mansion. And you're like, oh yeah, my, my office in my apartment. This is all. <laughs> yeah. We don't know. We don't know. Yeah. Service, service quarters. Who drinks cheap ass Mountain Dew. I should be drinking like thousand dollar bottle whiskey. I'm trying to think of what off brand there's off brand Mountain Dew. <laughs> That's what you need, like family value. Oh like, God, <laughs> the other high V stuff. <laughs> yeah, what is that called? What is where it's just like citrus it, it like, drink? Yeah, it was like. <laughs> no, they even called it like mountain something. It was like mountain. Yeah, <laughs> mountain. Ci- family value mountain citrus drink. <laughs> That's what, what we got here. High V Mountain Dew. <laughs> All right, I'm stopping recording. <laughs> Yeah, there it is. Mountain Drive. <laughs> That's what it's called. It's so stupid. I think they stopped selling that because it was too close to Mountain Dew.